Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is our second show of the year. We're calling this year Lucky 13 because I think last year we titled it Sucky 12. Was that, <laughs> was that pretty much the way last year went for the Satellite Sisters? Yeah. I, I think so. So we've moved on from Sucky to Lucky, or that's what we're hoping. Uh, I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica. Joining me on the line, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. How are you doing down there? Great. Can't wait to talk with you all. Okay. Sheila Dolan, South Pasadena. We're happy to have you this week. We had some technical issues with you last week, right? Yes. And I expect there'll always be technical issues with me, but it's great to hear you guys. <laughs> yes. It's what we in the family call limited connectivity, right? And, yeah, there you go. And uh, Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. I am happy to be back in the closet, and I will just announce very briefly that yesterday afternoon at 5 p.m., I typed the end on my novel. So there you go. The yeah, end. I finished it. Right. Hallelujah, Leon. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. Um, more, on that, more on that. More on that in further podcasts, but uh, if you're wondering where I've been, it's uh, it's in my J. Jill outfit uh, writing a novel. That's where I've been. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that J. Jill. It's comfy. Uh, comfy for that. Uh, well, we have quite a roundup of things, you know, big news and personal news. I mean, the... Given where we've been over the years following Lance Armstrong as sports fans, I feel like we have to start with that story. But first, Leanne, I want to ask you, I, I just sent you a video. You have, well, all the sisters will, will think this is funny, but Jimmy Fallon uh, the other night took Lance's testimony, so to speak, and turned it into a country song that he entitled, You're a Crazy Bitch, But You Ain't Fat. <laughs> <laughs> And those of you who watched the Lance, the, I only watched installment number one because then I was done. After right. the first night, I was like, I didn't need to hear another word from uh, from Lance Armstrong. Probably ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Betsy Andreu, he apologized to her by saying, yeah, I did call you crazy. I did call you a bitch, but I never called you fat. And I thought, that is amazing that he thinks that is a sympathetic point of view, you know? <laughs> well, let's just face it, Liz. It was a terrible week for sports journalism across the board, okay? They were duped for 15 years by Lance Armstrong and for 15 months by Mantauteo. So, like, okay. as a profession, those people took a big hit this week. <laughs> like, you can't blame us for being duped by Lance and Manti, but you can blame Rick Riley for being (laughs) duped for years after years. But let's face it, not a single word that came out of his mouth was believable in that Oprah interview. Not a single word. And why, Liz Dolan, uh, you know, purveyor of PR and brands, why would a guy do that? What and then now, and then I'd like to get Sheila's psychological diagnosis. But well, I, I was going to yeah. say we usually leave it to Sheila to diagnose people. But watching Lance on Thursday night, I saw like for the first time so clearly that Lance Armstrong is a sociopath. You know, you can just- so yes, definitely yes, and add malignant narcissist. <laughs> and that malignant as opposed to a benign narcissist. <laughs> right, and I've done years of research on that. So yes. Um, He's an MN and an S. <laughs> but from a straight PR point of view, Leanne, I was really shocked at the end of the interview on Thursday why he bothered to do it because he was clearly 
lying about a lot of stuff still. Right. So if you're going to do the uh, no-holds-barred world-exclusive thing, you better lay it out, man. But he was just not prepared to not win the debate. You know, he was just not prepared to really admit to all of the stuff they did. I mean, really, when he says, oh, uh, I never bullied people. Really? Really, yeah. really Lance? I mean, like, yeah. I, I don't know how the, we got the drugs. Oh, in a Coke can? Gee, I don't know. Huh? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the people that he should have been apologizing to when he said about Emma O'Reilly that, you know, that masseuse who really got, he trashed her and sued her for a million dollars. And I like the way he used kind of the, his verb tenses and what the subject of the sentences were. He said, she got bullied. Oh, really, Emma? I mean, oh, really, Lance? By whom did, did she get bullied? Or she got run over. Oh, yeah, really? And who did that? It's like, it's like the weight loss class that I go to, the therapist who always leads the discussion. She said, it's so interesting that people say, I lost, you know, 30 pounds, and then it came back. So it's not, you know, it's, it's I lost it, but I didn't gain it. It just came back. And that's what it sounded like to me, listening to Lance. It's like somehow people were getting bullied when he said he was not really in charge of the doping scheme. Right. Oh. Like, that's when I was like, I almost just turned off the TV entirely because it was clear that he has not gotten to where he really needs to go uh, to sound a little bit like Oprah. You know, he really, really was not ready to to come clean. But then I don't care. Like, what is he going to get from this? There's nothing the cycling authorities heard the other night. They're going to predispose him, them, to letting him compete again. I totally don't get it. Liz, I don't know. Let me, let me ask you, Liz and Sheila, um, do you think he feels good about the interview? Do you think he came away from the interview and said, whew, that, that went well? Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. No, because, yeah, because the malignant narcissist, it's just they're creating an image that they want to project to try to make them, they feel terrible about themselves. They hate themselves. Really? <laughs> so no matter what he says, he still hates himself. So isn't that a little payoff? I mean, really? To know that he really hates himself? <laughs> yeah, Sheila, I feel better. I mean, the thing is, he was, I mean, I'd really never heard Lance, uh, Lance Armstrong speak a great deal. And he's really despicable. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it yes. was. I mean, the interview for someone like me that really didn't follow him that much closely in the cycling and really didn't key into a lot of his interviews, I was like, that, I mean, he should not have gone on television because he didn't do himself any favors. That's for but, sure. But you know what? I would say, I mean, having met Lance Armstrong a bunch of times early in his career when I was at Nike and we were sponsoring him, uh, and then Lee and you and I, how long ago, like three years ago, four years ago, we did a whole event with him at City of Hope to yes. raise money for cancer research, Yes, we right? did. We hosted, yeah, we emceed an event where he was there with Dr. Ruth, right? Wasn't it Dr. <laughs> oh. Ruth? It was a I didn't, I didn't sex remember therapist that and Lance Armstrong. The but Dr. Joyce Lance Brothers, Dr. Joyce Brothers. Oh, that's and what it Lance was. Armstrong. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. What the? What there's was big, that event? Lance, there's a big difference between. <laughs> Not really. No, Julie. That was the scary part. Uh, that's all I can say. But I think the people that have dealt with Lance for a long time, and lots of people much more than me. I mean, Lance has always been a jerk. I right. mean, he has he has never been a nice person. But that doesn't make him not a great competitor and a really and a great fundraiser. But you know, so I, I'm okay with people that are 
not nice because that's not, he never sold himself as Mr. Nice Guy. He sold himself as killer competitor, whether it was competing against cancer or, you know, competing against uh, the others in the Tour de France. But cheating, I'm sorry. You can't do that. And then destroying the people who accuse you of cheating. Anyway, I, I just feel like totally done with him. Never have to think about him again. But cl- he must think this is some kind of a process that he's in now where he's going to slowly earn his way back into at least cycling's trust. Like, I can't imagine that. No. Well, think of all the despicable people that have done despicable things, and they end up, you know, with uh, talk shows and things like that. <laughs> so it happens. I <laughs> guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. On I've... the radio. Or go get a TV, a little, you know, reality show, right? I mean, it can all happen. Well, you know, I think a lot will, the it will be the tale of numbers, because I think 4 million people watched the first night, and but I bet about 12 people total watched the second night of the interview on the Oprah Winfrey Network. And so if, I, I think I think you'll see pretty Im- immediately, like, how done people are with them. Like, okay, done. Not really interested in night two. Never even occurred to me to watch the second night. So... Yeah, yeah, remember, they didn't care about cycling in the first place. So it's not like they have any vested interest in, ooh, we'd like to really see him come back. He was just such an anomaly in the United States anyway. Right. And got people to care about something that's not not really in their wheelhouse on the average day. Right. So so let's go to college football because that is much more something that people are very passionate about and will continue to care about whether Manti Teo is playing the game or not. So okay. I, he, he I was, was traveling a lot this week, so I was only getting snippets, but... What the heck? <laughs> okay. So, uh, right. If you were traveling like Liz or focused on something else, uh, Manti Teo is the, you know, second in the Heisman Trophy uh, race. He's a linebacker for Notre Dame, and um, he was this, like, absolute hero for them. And part of his narrative, part of his story this year, why he sort of vaulted to the American imagination was, first of all, Notre Dame had the undefeated season. And secondly, he had allegedly this double tragedy happened the weekend before a big game. Uh, He lost his grandmother, his beloved Samoan grandmother in Hawaii, and his girlfriend, uh, also Samoan, allegedly living in California, died from leukemia. And I'm only laughing because we all know now she's fake. So it's okay to laugh that she died from leukemia. That's not that that tragic. After being in allegedly a tragic, like, hit-and-run accident the April before. So she was already in a coma when she was diagnosed with cancer. Okay. Uh But it turns out it's a gigantic, complex, complicated hoax that the poor guy never actually had a real girlfriend. He just had, he was the victim of the unusual circumstance of Samoan on Samoan crime. There was some, <laughs> I mean, how often does that happen? There's a group of people here in California that decided to like create a fake girlfriend for Manti Teo and then go to these elaborate lengths to keep the hoax going. So it wasn't just a Facebook page and a couple of emails over the course of three or four years of their, quote, relationship. It was extensive phone calls. It was letters before the game that, you know, there were phone calls to brothers and sisters and her parents when she was allegedly in the coma and dying. He spoke to nurses in the hospital. They read scripture over the phone. I mean, it was extraordinary. And it turns out it was all a fake. She did not, in fact, die in September. She never died. And I think the lesson is that... um, 
A relationship with a fake girlfriend lasts a lot longer than a relationship with a real girlfriend. (laughs) Especially when you're in college. This poor guy is always going to be the guy with the fake girlfriend. You know? I mean, always. He could go to the Pro Bowl and he will always be the guy with the fake girlfriend. It must, it's, it's similar to the Lance story in the sense that Lance said, I just told one lie, but I told it over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think what little I followed on the Teo story, it's like, once he told his dad that he actually did meet her, right? right? Like he went, they set up a meetup when he was home in Hawaii on vacation and she didn't show. But when he came home, he told his dad that he had met her. Yes. So well, after- you can, I mean, that's lying to your parents. I, who, who, who among us has not done that? Okay. <laughs> and he I said, agree. he said, yeah, and I, rightly so, he was embarrassed that he only had this online relationship with her and she already meant so much to him. So, yes. You can you can see how that could have gotten perpetrated. Well, yeah, I mean, I there, I mean, you know how close I feel to Eli Manning, quarter uh, quarterback for the New York Giants. Yes, yes. Uh, he does not feel close to me, but I feel very close to him. So I can under I can kind of understand what happened to Manti. Um, I really can. Well, here's I feel so burned this week, Julie, by Lance. That I'm tempted to take it out on Manti. Because, <laughs> I know. Because I do, I find the story believable. I, that he, the hoax, the, the elaborateness of the hoax is crazy. It's, those it is shocking. Are. And uh, they're from Southern California. So the hoaxers' families have been saying, this has been, quote, a nightmare for the whole family and the whole Samoan community. We're so embarrassed. We can't believe this. Because he was really, you know, quite a hero. He's a very religious guy. He's a Mormon. He's Samoan. He, you know, he was really quite a character in that world. And so this is astonishing. The level the level yeah. to which they went to cast all those people and have fake parents and fake brothers and sisters. But here's the thing. Okay, imagine. So this is how Manti found out it was fake. Now, Sheila, you probably haven't been following this at all. So just appreciate this. Not okay? at all. Not he, at all. He thinks the girlfriend's dead. He's gone on to have the season of his life. You know, they're going to the championship game. And then, then he gets a phone call from her. Oh, and you know what the fake girlfriend says? The dead fake girlfriend says, hey, I'm not dead. Want to get back together? <laughs> <laughs> Sheila, you've had that relationship. I've had people come back from the dead. I have. <laughs> and that's where it gets sticky because that was in early December. And yet he went on to sort of perpetrate the lie. Well, you can see this. that. He's just mortified. Mortified. He's embarrassed. Yeah. And how do, how do you even begin to explain to your coaches, to the athletic staff, to your family that you've got the fake dead girl? I know. <laughs> that, and Give that's... the guy a month or two. I mean, he, again, he's not a major. I mean, he's just a college student, okay? He probably doesn't. Maybe he has his own PR manager by now. I don't know. But, you know, maybe well, he, he does now. Know, he does now. Know exactly how to unravel what had happened to him in some way to save face, you know? I agree. That's what I think, Julie. I would be, if it wasn't for Lance this week, I would be totally willing to believe this story the way he's telling it. Yeah. That he that once he lied to his dad, then he just had to keep lying that she was real. And he probably felt like he was in love with her. They were having these nightly phone calls, right, Leah? <laughs> he was in they love were... with someone. He was yeah. in love with somebody on the other end of that phone. But she did. Okay, this is a detail that I saw this morning on ESPN.com because Jeremy Schapp did a lengthy interview with them, I guess, on Friday night. Yeah. That I guess part of what would have been the red flag 
to Sheila and many of us is every t- every time they went to like do a Skype call, which is what we're doing now, or FaceTime, she had limited connectivity. <laughs> oh. So so she kept having technical difficulties on her end every time he was supposed to be able to talk to her live, like on his computer, the way kids today naturally would, right? right? That's so, how they talk, yes. Yeah. So um, the fact that that went on for so long, that would have been a little bit of a red flag. But still, I, you know. I, if you're in love, Liz, and you want it to work out, yes. you're patient, right? Yes. Right. Love is patient, Julie. Love is kind. I'm sure those were the scriptures they were reading over the phone to each other. That's what I've heard. But, you know, really, the big cover story in Sports Illustrated, someone should have got, like, gone to her grave. And it was finally this dead spin that was like, well, where is she buried? Where's the grave? You know, they just asked some simple questions that the Sports Illustrated journalist should have asked. Or, Or you could argue that it really shouldn't be a story at all. You know, like, come on, a guy's girlfriend, maybe that's too much to ask that if you're in the national football championship, the, the big game and you have this undefeated season, then everything in your life is fair game. But do I really care about some guy's girlfriend? Well, he, yes. used, he used the narrative, Liz. He used yeah. the narrative Liz. first. Yeah, and ask Brent Musburger. What about uh, right. the at national championship? <laughs> it seemed like the other quarterback's girlfriend really was the Was big- the story. That's true. <laughs> Yes, I noticed there was lots of commentary online about that. Oh, the... and now she's gotten a job, like, hosting at the Super Bowl for a Oh, network. you're kidding. No, yeah, I mean, it, you know, at least she's real, Liz. At least she's okay. real. So, again, poor Manti Teo. That's a lifetime of mocking. Well, uh, speaking of managing your own narrative, I was thinking about this this week, that, you know, I'm sure he's not, obviously he's not the first kid to have a fake girlfriend, and there <laughs> no. are plenty of, you know, plenty of women. No, Liz, that... I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> No, and there are plenty of, like, fake boyfriends and fake girlfriends that have been, been invented over the years just because it helps people feel better about themselves. But I decided that what I need for my narrative is a fake ex-husband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, because I think you get to a certain point, you know, I'm in solid middle age now, <laughs> that when, uh, you know, when people say, are you married? Do you have kids? And, you know, when you say, no, well, never been married, never have kids, they look at you kind of suspiciously. Yeah. Like, like, what's up with you? Right. And I'm thinking if I could just say, yeah, my ex-husband, I have an ex-husband, then you're, like, out from under, like, whatever it is there. So just thinking about that, like, adding that to my narrative might be good. Okay, well, I'm well, on board, Liz. You can do whatever you want. I don't care at this point. I love that, Liz. I can help you create one. I've had one, so let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the, the ups and downs in the like the outside world. But uh, Julie, we've had a bit of our own roller coaster week here, um, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, you know, from time to time, we like to update you on what's happening with our dad, who is now in end stage Alzheimer's. And the week started well, as sisters, as you know, because you received an email from me. On Monday night, I think, or maybe Tuesday morning, where I had I, I had reported to all of you that I had met with the hospice nurse. Our dad is now t- t- in hospice. Um, you know, his uh, so he is in the dying process because he's having difficulty swallowing, which is a very common symptom with Alzheimer's. And I, but I had written to all of you saying, you know, dad is stable. He had had a stable week. There was no further decline. There were no other complications. And, you know, we're really feeling pretty good because all of you have, you know, come to 
uh, Dallas and you've seen dad. He's in a nice nursing home, very close to my house. And I have the opportunity to see him pretty much every day and check on him. And so we know that he's well cared for and that he's not in any pain and things were stable. And didn't you feel good when you received that? Yes. Yeah. I yes. mean, your, your key word was stable, which was Thanks. first time we've achieved that in a while. Yes. So, um, so it was, uh, but that was at the beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. By midweek, I had received, you know how it is. I, I went to exercise. I was away from my cell phone because, because dad is, you know, at the end stage. I really, I never am without my cell phone these days. I have it by my bed. I always, everywhere I go. But when I'm exercising, I do put it in the locker for that one hour. Well, you know, lo and behold, I, I exercised for one hour, came out, and there were like 10 messages on oh. myself all from the nursing home, all with these ominous uh, messages, no details, just please call immediately. There's an incident, please call immediately. And, you know, so, okay, so that really kind of makes you feel bad because they didn't say, like, dad has a fever or dad has, you know, they said it was an incident, which is, you know, and dad's had a couple of other incidences with, with, <laughs> yes, right, right. so, so I find, so I get the call. I, you know, I'm scrambling, I'm trying to get dressed, get, you know, find out what's going on. And here's what happened. Dad still is in a wheelchair, but he has some mobility. He's able to move his feet and sort of paddle around and he's up on a secure floor. Um, but all the doors to all the other patients rooms are open. So dad had, uh, you know, and in the morning, he usually has some, you know, some structured time. And But there is some free time. There's some gaps where he's generally just paddling up and down the hall or he's looking out the window or he's down watching people get physical therapy. Well, on this morning, he somehow had paddled into what can only be described as the most critically, the critical per, critical care person at this nursing home. This individual has a tracheotomy, has a feeding tube, has oxygen. So, so just lots of equipment, lots of tubes. And somehow dad made it past the nursing station and into this patient's room. And he managed to get on the far side of the patient's bed where all the equipment was. And he pulled out this other patient's oxygen tubes. Wow. Wow. And then he fell out of the wheelchair and wait for it because it gets worse. This was the day that the nursing home was having their state inspectors do their Medicare and Medicaid inspection. So the first people to the scene when all the alarms and the crashing went on were the state inspectors. Oh, my God. The other is fine. Then secondly, dad is okay too because yeah, that's important. Yes, I mean he did, he fell out of the wheelchair as well. How he got in that room? How I think possibly because they were having the state inspection, there were a lot of you know a lot of you know different people up on the floor. They were requesting information. They were requesting interviews from patient from residents at the nursing home. So it was very very busy. Um, and I think dad somehow just uh, some slipped through the cracks, got into this room. So, so the response, of course, because it all happened 
because it happened with a critical care patient. And I think everyone, including us, can just imagine how much worse it could have been. I mean, right, right. we can all go there immediately, how much worse this situation could have been if dad had disrupted other tubes or, you know, who knows? Uh, so, so that, that's bad. Certainly the fact that it was done in front of the state inspector. We just can't get a break. I mean, no, honestly, I know. I know. it's just, you just can't get a break. I mean, I'm, it's all terrible. It's just terrible. It's a terrible disease. I know. I know. I, I just, I mean, you know, but I, so I rushed there and by the time I got there, they were, you know, dad was back in his wheelchair and one of what they have truly nice nursing care at this nursing home. You know, one of his, the nice regular nurses was taking his blood pressure because he had had a fall and they just wanted to make sure that dad wasn't hurt. Of course, nobody else was talking to dad, but (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't like they were huddled around dad or anything like that. No, he was like sort of isolated by himself. Time out. He's in time out. Well, it's. And the nurse said, you know, he has Alzheimer's. He didn't, you know. He didn't know what he was right. doing. Right. You know, yeah. They were just tubes to him. You know, he was just, you know, he's, they still sometimes have that curiosity to like pull things or push things. I can't explain it. I don't know what's going on in his head. And, you know, he couldn't explain what happened. But, you know, uh, you know, you, Lee, and you know, I called you. I, I mean, just I was crying. I was like, oh, my gosh, I just couldn't believe that this had happened. I couldn't, you know. You know, I just, I, I just couldn't even, you know, here our dad is dying. And at the same time, well, let's face it. He almost committed murder. <laughs> I know. We should. I know. We should. Hey, but, you know, I mean, that wouldn't have been good, would it? No. no. I, you know, it's so interesting, Julie, when you, you know, when you talk to your friends or other people about the fact that your parent has Alzheimer's, um, they always ask about this. They always say, oh, does he remember who you are when you walk in the room? And I've, I've taken to saying, you know what? No, but that is the least of our problems. (laughs) And here's what people don't talk about with Alzheimer's. There's all of this incredibly erratic behavior. There's dangerous behavior. And then there's also just the emotional terror that the patient himself feels. I mean, you know, because you saw it later that day and the next day, you know, dad goes through these phases of just being like emotionally out of control, so agitated and so afraid. And uh, it's like this Groundhog Day. They have no idea who you are or what's happening around you, what's happening around them or where they are. And so it's just, it's the difficulty of how much emotional pain they are in when these things happen that I think is the hardest. The the emotional pain for us that he may or may not know who we are when we when we walk in the room is nothing compared to what he's experiencing. And he really had a really rough day after the fall, not physically, but emotionally. He was terrified and terrified of everything around him. He was very difficult. It was impossible to calm him down. Yeah, it was it was really rough. It was really rough. And then, of course, now we have the response, um, because uh, what one of the nurses aide told me is like when things happen in front of the state, they like to see a correction plan. So now we're kind of working on the correction plan. How can we make dad safer? How can we keep him at the nursing home? 
but have do it in a way that it, you know will be safe for him and quite frankly economical for us that we don't have to move him or that we you know don't have to hire 24/7 minders to you know so we have care on top of care um, so the first part of the correction plan I can tell you is that they put a Christmas bell on on dad's <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah, let's start with that. Yeah. A, tra- a tracking device. <laughs> it's, I mean, he has an alarm on. He's, alar- you know, have an alarm. So if he attempts to get out of his wheelchair, but now just to track the wheelchair, they have a nice Christmas bell on it. So I thought that was sort of gentle and good. They are, but they, they've been doing a three-day time motion study mm-hmm. of just sort of tracking him each hour. What are the critical hours? And I'm, we're hoping this week, you know, that we can work out a new plan for, you know, new care, I guess. And that's the roller coaster thing that as soon as you type the word stable and send that out in an email, you know, right. comes undone. So never set. You are never, you know, we're never going to be stable. What, you know, whatever plan I work out this week is, you know, might not work the following week, but we're just, you know, that's, that's where we are, and that's what we're going to try to do for dads, just um, to make a plan so he's okay. Oh, man. It, yes. It, that is this week's roller coaster report, but it, it has really been hard week after week for, you know, a good solid year now. Yes. Probably two years uh, where this is what it's really like. Okay, Julie, hang in there. Hang that, in there, Jewel. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. This is Sheila. It's been such a hard year for all of us. I mean, it, you know, obviously it's been a, it's a really rough year. And I, I mean, I know I've talked to you guys personally, but I, I feel like everything changes when, you know, you lose a parent and, you know, this is going on. And I, I don't know about you, but I've been going through a lot. I've been seeing life differently. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In what just, way? Well, just everything. Like, I feel like life is very short. So, I mean, on a very, very superficial level, I've made some changes in my life. I just wanted to, okay. I just wanted to share them. Please. That's what we expect um, from you. Superficial levels. Yeah. Superficiality. So I want to do a shout out, first of all, to Bob Wondry's Ford in Alhambra, California, because I am now a proud owner of a C-Max, Ford C-Max hybrid. All right. Nice. Now, what made you pick that car? I, I just saw all the ads on TV, Liz, and they looked really good. <laughs> oh, you're the person that falls for advertising. Nice. I totally do. You know I do. <laughs> and I've had a hybrid before. I enjoy owning a hybrid. I like to save money on gas. I like to give back to the environment, as it were. Um, so, like, I, I literally went and bought a car without any help. Yeah, which really distressed my husband and sons, who love nothing more than buying cars. They were just only disappointed, not in your choice, but in the fact that they didn't get to go test drive and negotiate for you. But you did it, Sheila. You pulled up. You said, I have a new car. You were so excited. And it's adorable. It's kind of a cult car, too. A lot, of, a, uh, a, lot of fans. It's a cult car. Yeah. And, and on that note, I want to say, Liz, thank you for all the years with the sob. Yeah. Okay. Where'd that end up in this process? <laughs> well, I, I negotiated that. They gave me money for the sob. All right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's I mean, a moneymaker for sob, you. I mean, literally, since I lost the seatbelt, which became unfixable, and there were no airbags, I realized that was not a safe car for me to be driving. 
Right. But it, I had a good run with that, Liz, a good run. That's good. That's good. For people that don't follow along, what Sheila's driving when. When I, I replaced my car because I needed a four-door car because I was spending a lot of time driving our parents around, and they could not get in and out of the back seat of the two-door Saab that I was driving. So I passed the Saab on to Sheila and adopted a wagon. So that's good. I'm glad it had a full life out there with you. Yeah, and I enjoyed the CMX. Went brought it down yesterday for my free car wash, Leanne. You know, you get a free car wash after you buy it. That's a great deal when you pay thousands of dollars for a car and they slide you the ten buck car wash. Good. <laughs> and um, so I went down and I had my new plates. I had them put on the new plates. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm just letting Bob Wondries take care of everything. <laughs> and um, I was surprised to see and happy to see that they have a Keurig coffee maker in the waiting room. Oh. That that's fantastic. That's like, going to be that's, important long term. That's that's an upgrade. <laughs> um, so good for you, Bob Wondries. I didn't have time to fill out this online survey under the the time allowed, so I just want to do a shout out nationally now <laughs> that you did a great job. Okay, the other thing I've been doing, which is you know, I don't know if you guys knew that I I was once uh, pretty good in the kitchen. Yes, I remember when you had a, an actual husband and not a not an ex-husband <laughs> that you did a lot of cooking and, in that little New York kitchen of yours. And I enjoyed the cooking. So I've just decided, um, you know, since I've been going through a lot of changes, that I decided to start cooking again. Oh. Good. So what, what's coming out of the kitchen, Sheila? Well, um, I cook a mean chicken basque, which I, I sent you photos of. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, you did. Now, now what's, I was, what's in that? It, it's so simple. It's chicken, <laughs> right? Check. Tomatoes, olives, uh-huh. onions, uh, some thyme, bay leaf. You just pop that thing in the oven, Leanne, and you cook it. <laughs> that that's what cooking is. It's generally that. It's just assembling and heating. It's not. <laughs> okay, then I make a, a rather unattractive but very delicious for me gluten free lasagna. Mm. That sounds, sounds awful. Bad. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, which I enjoy with the lean turkey, the spinach, different herb sauce, and uh, I have to do I, I have to do some cheese, which you wouldn't like, some goat cheese and stuff like that. But I can bring that for my lunch, and I enjoy it very much. Okay, nice. Yesterday, I took some leftover steamed delicious broccoli and put it in my blender with some white beans. Uh, what did I put? Lemon juice, tofu, uh, cumin, a little cane, and made a broccoli dip. Wow. Oh. Wow, <laughs> Sheila, that is – now that's impressive. I like that. That's you like going that, one step beyond because you looked at your ingredients. You used a blender, which is, you know, another level of equipment. Good for you. That sounds fantastic. No, Sheila, I applaud and, it. You know, and, it's just good to eat your own food. And then um, I also made a shrimp fried rice. Mm. Uh, a couple weeks ago, (laughs) which was really good with peas, fresh shrimp, ginger. Um, I forget what else. I mean, that was a good, that was a good meal. So are you, have you committed to like a specific frequency of cooking? Like, like on school nights, you're going to make your own dinner or only on weekends or what's your plan for that? No, I am making food for the entire week now. Oh, really? 
Wow. I do not want to spend, again, I have my car payments list. I have to think about things. I'm moving money around. I'm moving, I'm trying to save here and there. So I, I want to cook my own the whole week. That's it. And I enjoy it, Lee. And it's, it is so relaxing. It's relaxing. You can just focus on it. I do. It's I like cooking. Yeah. Um, I certainly rather cook than wait in line. That's, and yeah. that's generally your choices. Like, I hate waiting in line. I'd rather cook. All right. So well, that's, that's it. I'm really happy about the, the new car, of course, the, the new program. And next up is, you know, getting a good coffee maker at school and trying to stop my Starbucks habit. Okay. I think as Susie Orman said, I could buy a condo with the money I spend at Starbucks. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that, but I'm thinking at this point, the amount of time I spend at coffee shops, it may be true. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's... You can buy a fake condo, Sheila, no doubt. Yeah. That's true. Just tell us you bought a condo. We'd believe you. Though, actually, Leanne's husband and sons would have to move you if you bought a fake condo. And so you'd be unmasked then. Well, Julie did some very fine cooking. When I was at your house over New Year's, Julie, you made those delicious black-eyed peas for New Year's Day. So, you know, that's a little bit off your normal menu routine, right? That's right. But I felt like we needed some good luck for 2013. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if means black eyed peas, that's what we did with bacon. I think that's the key ingredient. Sheila, oh, bacon. Yes. It's a little cooking secret. Everything tastes better with bacon, Sheila. Just keep it in mind. And I, and I, believe, I believe that bacon is gluten free. So you're, you're in the clear. It is, Liz. You are right. Good one, Liz. Sheila, aren't you training for a... What are you training for? You're swimming a lot, too. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so I decided this is my other new thing. Of Quickly, uh, I'm going to enter my first master swim meet. That's the good news. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> the bad news is I just checked my categories now. It's February 9th. So basically the age group, I'm at the top of the 50s age group, which is... I'm 50 to 54. Ooh, that's rough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I'm, I'm of course, 54. Now, the other, but the, the good news is I just went online. I checked the national records for the 100 free. Yeah. And there's a, there's a world-renowned swimmer named Laura Val. Yeah. Okay. She was just in Swimmer Magazine, if you subscribe to Swimmer, <laughs> which you don't. No. But her time, her time for the 100 free is only a minute one. And I just timed myself this morning in my training session, and I was coming in at one ten. <laughs> so, so, so you only need to improve by ten percent. If I should shave off ten seconds, <laughs> I'd be a world record holder. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, you would. Yes. Now, Laura Ball is probably fifty and not fifty-four, but you know what? I'm going to go for it, girls. February 9th, a Rose Bowl. I'll, I'll keep you posted. What, what it, you need to find out is what's the world record for the age group above that yeah. for next year's age group and work towards that. I mean, I'm no swim coach, but that's, that's what I would say. All right, Leanne. It's not that Leanne doesn't have faith in you this year. <laughs> Just burst my bubble, man. I only oh, have a couple weeks to train. That, well, that's, you know, it's shaving like four seconds. It's like three seconds a lap. I mean, that's a lot in swimming time. But you can do it, Chill. I, I believe you. I believe in you. All right. Speaking of changes, okay, let's talk briefly about the Golden Globes. Let's just talk about the main story, and that was Jodie Foster's haircut. Oh. I mean, I haven't talked to one person this what week. Think? I think the haircut's brilliant, and I, I think I'm going to go get it this week. Okay, Leanne, go for it. Yeah. 
Well, I like the fact that Julie this week, because you know that Leon has always had the Jodie Foster doppelganger thing going on, didn't you send Leon several historical photos of jo- <laughs> Jodie Foster haircuts, all of which Leon has had? Right. It was amazing. I saw it. There was a story posted at Huffington Post about Jodie Foster's best ever haircut. And boom, there it was. It's exactly the same haircut that Leon had. <laughs> had exactly the same time. I had it just a year before Jody. as a matter of fact. There was that moment when Jody was at Yale, and I was in high school in Connecticut, and I used to go see bands at bars in, in, in New Haven. Drinking age was 18. I could get in. That was legal. But people used to let me into bars thinking I was fat Jody Foster. So... <laughs> And I can see now why, because we literally had the same haircut. So, and so you could totally do that haircut, Leanne. Yeah. So I've been doing the light layer Diane Keaton homage, and now I'm just going to go straight for the blunt cut because I have a bunch of events coming up right. here in the spring. I got to, now that I've finished the book, I got to get my act together in terms of hair and the rest of me. So, uh, yeah. looking just forward to Just don't go crazy like Jodie Foster. Just get her hair. <laughs> okay. Don't okay. go All right, Sheila, Dr. Sheila, can you the, – the Jodie Foster speech last week, which in some ways was very admirable, but in most ways was just wildly confusing. Mm. What, what did you make of that performance, Sheila? Um, I would say hypomania. <laughs> um, hello? Hello? What Over-rehearsed is hypomania. Okay. I mean, that made no sense at all. Mm-hmm. And I, plus, I think, frankly, she was condescending. Um, I thought she sounded like she was scolding us uh-huh. in a way. Um, I, I just, I thought it was really disturbing. <laughs> okay. I, I can vouch for that because we were texting during the Globes and I texted Sheila. I was like, that was nutty. And Sheila's response was much stronger than nutty. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, we can can't I, repeat it I here. can't repeat it, but it was much stronger than nutty. Well, you guys, Sheila and uh, Leah, you were not on the show last week, on Satellite Sisters last week. But, Julie, when we talked about the Globes, can I just say that everything we wanted to come true did come true? Because, oh, really? Because Argo won, and we were rooting for that. Mm-hmm. Homeland won, and we were rooting for that. And Tina Fey and Amy Poehler won, and we were rooting for them. <laughs> yeah. So I would say all around a wildly successful Golden Globes <laughs> for the Satellite Sisters. I think all predictions for the future come to us because we were 100% Liz. We yeah. got it right. Yeah. And I'm not even sure we couched them as predictions. It's more just what we wanted and we got what we wanted. So that was the most important thing. The, uh, yeah, the seeing Mel Gibson there was a little bit of a shocker, but in many other ways, that was a, that was a wildly entertaining show. And I think that Tina and Amy should just like a permanent gig doing that. Yeah. They, they were fantastic. Genuinely very funny. Perfect, perfect note. They struck a perfect note. I thought the funniest joke was when uh, Tina Tina Fey said that the Hunger Games was what she's been playing for the last 12 weeks to get ready ready for the Globes. And then Amy Poehler said the life of pie is the next 12 weeks. I I mean, it's not going to get any funnier than that. No, and it's just like a perfect female humor because you know that that's true. Like yes. you, we've all done it, you know, starved and then just exploded. It is. It was just very funny.
Well, but even though I don't want her to win the Oscar, I did uh, go in yesterday to my own hairdresser and get the modified Anne Hathaway. Because, okay. uh, you know, I've been wearing my hair much shorter. She has it super duper short now. I don't need it that short. But I was just, it was clear looking at that show last week that I had let my hair get out of control. So I almost, because I was on the road this week, I almost got a cut in a strange city Ooh, by, a, by a strange hairdresser. No, no. Well, yeah. No, I had your hair looks. Don't do that. Yeah, I I held off and made it home in time yesterday afternoon to get in. And as my hair cutter is cutting my hair, she said, oh, yeah, your sister is coming in on Monday. (laughs) That's right. I have Monday off. I got to do the hair. I guess we're all doing hair. Let's see. Who can I be? I don't know. I'm like, Sheila drives from Pasadena to Santa Monica to get her hair cut. Yeah. Okay. Good for you, Sheila. Well, Well, I have the hybrid now. I'm saving. (laughs) She's making money. She's practically making money on the I'm literally making money. (laughs) Four dealership thrifts and free haircuts, Liz. You didn't. (laughs) Free haircuts. Nice. That is a, no wonder you went to Ford. You know, free haircuts are part of the package. Um, yeah. Okay. Wow. Whew. Wow. This was a big week. Uh, there's a lot going on in the real world and in our world. Anything else we needed to report on? I, I don't I think, think so. I think that's it. That was exhausting. Okay. Covered so, a lot of okay. So let's remind people, Leanne, that you also, they haven't heard from you for a while, I but uh, you also have your own podcast, Chaos Chronicles, which is hilarious. Are you getting back on track with that now? I, I am actually. I'm going to probably record a show. Now that I have the whole set back in the closet, unlike Jody, I'm back in the closet here <laughs> uh, with my setup. So I thought as long as I was in the closet today editing the Chaos, editing the Satellite Sister show, I'd record a Chaos Chronicles just fill people in on what I've been doing and what's been happening. I took a couple weeks off. You know, I found that writing a novel is very time consuming. Uh, It's very time, especially when you're like months late. Uh, So you just don't have room in your brain for anything else. But um, now that I'm seeing the end, the end of that process, I think I can do a few more things. So yeah, the Chaos Chronicles will be back in business uh, this week as well. So, you know, you can always get either of those shows at iTunes or you can try Stitcher Radio is a really easy way to listen to it on uh, on your smartphone. Join Satellite Sisters, the group Satellite Sisters on Facebook. All the new Satellite Sister shows are always posted there. And do you have your own Chaos Chronicles Facebook group, Leanne? I do. I think it's the wrong kind, though. You I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't. I just, again... <laughs> One of my goals is just to, to figure out Facebook. I could, they keep changing it. If they just keep it the same, I could figure it out. So I have a page, and it should be more like a group. I, I don't know how that happened. Like at Satellite Sisters, we have a page that no one goes to except me for like three years. And yeah. then there's a group that's very active. Every day, people posting and commenting. It's fun over there on the group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should get one of those. <laughs> All right. So, Julie, I know you're off. You have a busy day because you're also caring for your grandchildren today, I understand. So that's right. I have dad, of course. And then all this week, I have my granddaughter, Alice, and Benjamin staying with me because their parents are away on a business trip. So that is going to be a busy week. So yeah. they- wow. So in fact, this is nap time, but I can hear the pitter patter of little feet upstairs that there's no napping going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody have a good week. It was good to talk to you. We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.